Welcome to another episode of Rich in Relationship. And today we are talking about letting go, or we might be talking about being stuck in a toxic marriage. It really depends on how you decide you're going to take this, how you're going to listen to this, how you're going to hear it, where you are with this energetically, emotionally. And before we can really address the question, let's get some clarity on how people get into toxic relationships. It's not like we all go out looking for some toxic personality and say, wow, that is Mr. or Mrs. Right. I just have to be with that clinically depressed or alcoholic or drug addicted or rageaholic or compulsive liar or insane narcissist or a psychopath or whatever the nature of the toxicity is. It's not like we go out looking for that stuff. And yet somehow we find it. Now, there is an expression that goes like this. Water seeks its own level. And if you don't know what that means, here's another one. A friend of mine says that elephants don't want to get married to giraffes. They actually have a much cruder version of that. But uh, the fact of the matter is that elephants want to be with elephants and giraffes want to be with giraffes. And so somehow when we find ourselves in these toxic relationships, it's because we are in some way a fit. Now, I've met plenty of people in toxic relationships who say that they were fooled. And indeed, they probably were fooled. Initially, they fell in love and everything was juicy and wonderful and sexy and fresh and amazing, as it always is when we're in that love state, in love state. But the problem with in love is that we don't often see the defects of the other person. And so it is fully possible that we might feel we were taken in when we find out that this person also happens to be just a little toxic in some way. So I'm not negating that that happens. And what I am saying is that every client that I've worked with who has had a toxic partner that they were separating from physically, emotionally, and spiritually, has had some kind of experience with that form of toxicity in their past. In some way, shape, or form, it was familiar to them. Familiar in that maybe their parents had that trait or some of those traits that that person has, and so it felt familiar. Now, that sounds like a terrible thing to say. It's like saying, that we want to have toxic people in our lives. We want to have that feeling of being stepped on and crushed and losing our sense of self. Like we want to have that feeling of being unsafe and yearning for it to be safe again. And when is that going to happen? Like we want to have that. And consciously, it would be unfair to say that we want that. Consciously, we all want safety. Consciously, we all yearn for those things that I was just talking about. But, and unconsciously, it might feel familiar. And if it feels familiar unconsciously, it might therefore feel in an odd way, like a familiar piece of clothing is probably the best way to put it. I've heard people talk about comfort zones and uh, it feels safer because it's familiar. But I think those words are not completely accurate when we're talking about toxicity. I think it's more like we've worn a certain shirt for a long time and we meet someone and we get that same feeling again, unconsciously, not consciously, it's not like we're sitting there saying, 
wow, this guy or gal really reminds me of the worst qualities of my parents. It's more like it feels comfortable unconsciously. So some part of us is hooked a little by that, by those negative qualities that may be peeking through. And what happens rationally is our mind tells us that's not what's going on. That's not who that person is. That's not really what's happening here. I'm in love. This person loves me. It's awesome. It's amazing. And when they start slipping into being critical, that's again familiar. And so we might dismiss it. We might not by saying that it's love. We dismiss it by saying it doesn't happen that often or they didn't really mean that or whatever excuses that we want to make because it unconsciously feels comfortable. It feels familiar. And as human beings, we really have a tendency to lean into the familiar. So part of the trick of letting go is identifying this, identifying first, what were the dreams? What was the promise of, the, of that relationship in the very beginning? Second, as it started to morph into something less dreamy and more nightmarish, what was familiar about it? And part of letting go is identifying both of these things so that we can release them. Now, what happens when we don't release them is we end up repeating history. In fact, very often when we're in a toxic relationship, what are we doing? We're repeating history because it's familiar. And so if we don't let go, we're doomed to repeat history, either by staying in the same relationship or by leaving them and trading up to someone even better. I worked with a young lady who was with a young man and he was a budding alcoholic and addict and he was a different person from one way to the one day to the next and at first this was very familiar to her and she loved him and the, the days when he was uh not drunk or high he was the most loving and caring person and then he would morph his personality would change and he would flip between gaslighting her uh, and being really abusive at the same time and being this loving, caring rescuer. And she identified this pattern as being a negative and she left him. And she came to me after her second relationship. And the next relationship, the first relationship, the guy was emotionally abusive. He was loud, uh, he was a gaslighter. He convinced her that she was crazy. The second relationship, the guy just full on beat her, right? So what happened was, because she didn't deal with what was happening there, she slipped into this relationship with this guy who was, he wasn't a full on uh, beater, but he did put his hands on her occasionally. And that was when she came for help. And I couldn't help her with the emotional violence, but when she got away from this guy, I was able to help her to identify the pattern. I was able to help her see that it was continuous. I was able to help her to recognize the common thread and even see where, what both relationships had in common that felt comfortable to her. And it turned out that in her childhood, she had had a parent who actually was not emotionally abusive or physically abusive, but who did gaslight her and did um, was not completely honest and maintained an illusion about the kind of life that they had together. And so there was a familiarity about people who were inauthentic and dishonest 
that and working through that, she was able to move on to a relationship that was no longer physically abusive or emotionally abusive. That's what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about when I talk about the familiar, I'm talking about it may not be exactly the same, but we're drawn to it for some reason because it feels familiar. It seems different, feels familiar, becomes similar or even worse. Okay. Before I dive into the details of letting go of what was wonderful and letting go of what's familiar, I just want to add that it is not unusual when someone is in a toxic relationship to not really see it until they see the impact on their children. And the reason for that is exactly what I was just talking about. Because something feels familiar, they'll rationalize their way through it. I have a, another client who was in a relationship, uh, had, had fathered children with a clinically depressed wife, didn't know that that was the situation. They met under uh, artificial circumstances, and yet there was something very familiar about it. And he claimed at first that he was totally caught off guard when she, after a year of marriage, slipped into depression and all kinds of behaviors that I'm not gonna share with you at this point, because that's not what the story is really about. But he shared with me that he was really surprised. And as we dug deeper, we talked about his childhood and he had had a father who uh, was bipolar. And so bipolar is where one day they're really manic and then you know, for a few weeks they're really sad and for a few weeks they're really energized and a few weeks they're really sad uh, and depressed actually. And so the, the way that he met her was she had, was under artificial circumstances and she had been very energetic uh, and he was drawn to that because unconsciously it reminded him of his father. And then when she went to the other side, he was tolerant of it because guess what? Unconsciously it reminded him of his father. And it took years before he realized that this situation was gonna change. And what made him realize it was when she couldn't show up for the children in a way that he felt really that they felt she should. She just wasn't present. She wasn't taking care of herself so she couldn't be present for them. And it took him years to work through it and let that go. So this is another example of the familiar taking charge and rationalizing our way through it. And it's also a story about someone who, when they started to see the negative impact of their toxic spouse on their children, eventually took action, separated and rearranged their lives. All right, so let's talk about the good stuff. The hardest thing about separating from someone like this, you would think would be the pain and suffering of the good stuff. And that is what we tend to focus on. But actually, the hardest thing to let go of is the familiar. And so it's really important that we identify in this toxic relationship, what is familiar. And I promise you, there is always something familiar. It doesn't mean exactly the same, though sometimes it can be. I have another client who came to me uh, and was married to a man that she found emotionally abusive. And she said to me that she was used to that because that's how her parents had talked to her. They had always been very critical of her as a child. And she just thought that's how people, and crit critical of one another too. That was her model for relationship. And it wasn't until she saw that her child was very afraid of him that she realized something was wrong. It's 
once we recognize that something's wrong, it's very easy to get into blame and anger, and that has to do with the happy part. But where we really want to be is what's our part in it. And in order to own that, we're going to take a stance. It's called the stance of accountability. The stance of accountability goes like this, that we are 100% responsible and accountable for every situation in our lives. Now, I want to be clear, this is a stance. It's not reality. In reality, people do things and we happen to be there and it's impactful on us. But the stance of accountability is about looking at all of the behaviors that may contribute, especially to an ongoing pain point, like something familiar, like being in a toxic relationship. And from the stance of accountability, we ask ourselves the question, why did I want this? Why did I choose this? Why did I allow this person in our life? And we allow, allow ourselves to trace the answers to these questions through what is it about my childhood, my parents, my siblings, my grandparents, my great grandparents, the culture I grew up in, the community I grew up in, that it feels familiar in the same way that this toxicity feels familiar. And we allow ourselves to see possible threads in our lives that connect that sense of familiarity. And we explore it. Why would I want that? What is it about that? Possibly I wanted that because I needed to heal this. Possibly I wanted that because I was afraid that I wouldn't survive without something that's familiar. Possibly I wanted that because I feel much more comfortable with people who behave in this way. Whatever the answers are, we explore them. And it's you can do this through journaling. You can do it through video. You can do it with a therapist. You can do it with a coach. You can do it with a pastor. You can do it with a rabbi. You can do it with anyone who wants to listen. The important thing, you could do it with a tree, by the way. The important thing is that you go through the process of owning your life as if you were the God of your life. Now, I'm not saying that you are the God of your life. Again, this is a stance. It's a way to examine your life. And then the next step is once you've identified these threads of possible reasons why you would choose this, then you ask yourself the question, what if, what if I chose differently? What if I chose differently? What would it be like to be a little uncomfortable, but with someone who behaves in a way that's not so familiar to me, but might be incredibly beneficial to me? How would that feel? That would probably feel uncomfortable. It might feel incredible too. It might be an amazing mix of uncomfortable and incredible and start to get that comfortable is not the defining feeling for progress. Let me say that again. Being comfortable is not the defining feeling for progress and growth. In fact, you ask any coach or any leader and they will tell you, spend too much time being comfortable and you will never move forward, right? What's comfortable is lying around in your bed. What's comfortable is the same kinds of friends, the same kinds of relationships. What's comfortable is the same kind of lifestyle. What's comfortable is never having to face change. Why? Because change means stress. Change equals stress. It equals stress because there's the state that we're in and there's the state that change demands we move to. And there is an essential tension between the story we have about ourselves today and the story we need to have ourselves to navigate that change into a better, brighter tomorrow. And it is that tension and the stress of that 
that leads to discomfort and forward motion. And that's what makes the stance of accountability so incredibly powerful. All right, so part one is getting familiar with what's familiar and being willing to let it go for something unfamiliar and new and exotic and exciting and different and uncomfortable and stressful as we move into a better me and a better now and a better reality. Part two, and this might actually be part one for some of you, by the way, is letting go of the dream. So you remember in the beginning, I talked about that dream. You meet this person and they seem to be your dream person and it feels comfortable and it's good and it's juicy and exciting and sexy and all that good stuff. There's a dream that happens in that space. And then when you got out of it and got into this world, you're like, what? What is she doing to my child? Or what is he doing to my child? What? Have I been allowing this person to do something to me that I would kill if they did to my child? What? Is this really where I want to hang out? When you realize there's a difference between that place that you thought you were and the place where you are, you need to be willing to let go of what was good about what you, where you thought you were. It might even have been where you really were, by the way, but you don't let go of it like a, an effort, like an angry let go of it. You let go of it with a, I honor that time. You know, we had that time together and it was special and it was wonderful. And whether it was real or not, it was enjoyable for us both. And I will always remember it and honor it. And when I was in that space, I saw the best qualities of that person. And trust me that no matter how toxic that person is, those best qualities that you saw in them are in there somewhere, buried, asleep, under what they're comfortable with, the toxicity that they're comfortable with. They live that way because it's comfortable for them, because it was taught to them, because they grew up in an environment that encouraged that particular brand of toxicity or supported or fed energy into them living that way. And that's where they're comfortable. And in, a mo in that brief moment, when you were in that in love stage and saw something better in them, that better was there, is there, and can come out again. Just maybe not with you, and you don't have to pay the price for coming out necessarily. It's your choice. And when you can let go of that with love and let go of the blame and the anger and the fear that that relationship generated, when you let go of that and when you let go of what you're comfortable with, and embrace the discomfort of moving into something different, new, and maybe even exciting, though uncomfortable. That is when you have truly let go, right? Letting go means I'm done. I don't need to change them. I don't need to fix them. I don't need to help them. I don't need to kill them. I don't need to do any of those things. I simply accept that they are who they are. Now, how you diminish the impact of that person on your children that is a whole nother question. And part of what drives the changing, wanting to fix them, wanting to kill them, maybe, is you don't want to see them having a negative impact on your children anymore. And that's a whole nother process. And we're going to talk about that in a whole nother chapter, Facebook Live, episode of Rich in Relationship, however you're receiving this. And if you have someone like this in your life and you're not sure how to move on, you can contact me at bit.ly forward slash end the fight, E-N-D-T-H-E-F-I-G-H-T. 
That's a bit.ly link. It doesn't need a .com. bit.ly forward slash end the fight. And you can real reach my calendar with that link. And you can have 30 minutes free to talk to me and strategize on how you can, uh, what your next steps are with this person and yourself. Be happy to help you with this. Because my commitment is to helping parents create joyful and resilient futures for themselves and their children, whether they're living with someone or apart from someone. That's my mission, commitment. That's what I'm about. And I'm happy to have that 30 minutes with you because it fulfills my mission and it'll help you find your next steps, whatever they are, whatever they are, whatever they are. All right, that's enough out of me. Uh, and as always, you can email me at rich at richinrelationship.com, R-I-C-H at R-I-C-H-I-N-R-E-L-A-T-I-O-N-S-H-I-P.com. Thank you and have an excellent, excellent day.